This episode of the Model 3 Owners Club podcast is brought to you by Doolaban Insurance. If you live in Ontario, Canada, and are looking for the best price and coverage on your Tesla, give Doolaban a call at 1-855-385-4226 or visit our website at doolabaninsurance.com slash Tesla. Well, hello everyone. It's time for another edition of the Model 3 Owners Club podcast. I'm your host, Trevor Page. <laughs> Sorry, we're having a little bit of fun here before the show before we got in. So if you hear us uh, laughing a little bit, you'll understand why. Anyhow, so this is the show where we talk about all things Tesla and Model 3, of course. And uh, of course, the points don't matter. Uh, joining us tonight, as usual, is our usual cadre of guests. We have Michael Bodner from Florida. How are you doing, Mike? I'm doing well. Thanks, Trev. Thanks for having me. Great. Thanks for joining us again, as usual. Also joining us is Eric Camacho out of Florida. How are you doing there, Eric? Doing well. Hello, everybody. Good. Thank you. And last but not least, Mr. Ian Pavelko out of Montreal. How are you doing there, buddy? I'm doing very well. Bonsoir tout le monde. Awesome. Well, we got uh, some stuff to talk about tonight, and uh, I want to start with the leading story. Mr. Bodner <laughs> um, beat all of us, and uh, he had a chance to test drive a performance Model 3. Oh, and I'm sure that's going to make Ian very, very jealous. Can so, you not uh, see the color coming through your screen right now? <laughs> <laughs> Green with envy. I'm wearing my yeah. Tesla shirt tonight. So, Michael, why don't you jump in here a little bit and tell us about your experience? Sure, absolutely. So, I two weekends ago, I drove past the mall, and uh, maybe it was a weekend ago, whatever. That part doesn't matter. I drive past the mall, and there's a white-on-white -white Model 3 sitting in the parking lot, and I thought... That's got to be something. Get a little closer. I see some red brakes and uh, ran into the mall and went right into the Tesla store. And I said, is that a test drive performance model three? They said, yes, it is. Do you want to go check it out? I said, yes. And then they said, oh, someone's got a scheduled test drive and boom, the car was gone. <laughs> and I left and, um, and that was it. So uh, then we went back and um, had a day off and uh, took a look at the car again, got to drive it around. And uh, I have to say, this car is simply amazing. I Just from driving the rear-wheel drive Model 3, getting the feeling of the instant torque, uh, driving my dad's Model S 75, same effect, it's nothing in comparison to stepping on the pedal in uh, in the performance car. If anyone saw my video, um, you know, I got on the highway with it. I didn't do any zero to 60 runs. We've seen plenty of those. Slowed it down to about 45, and I thought, I've got plenty of room in front of me. Let's just gun it and see how fast this thing can go. And it couldn't be more than a split second before I was like right up on the bumper of the car in front of me and had to, <laughs> had to use the regen and slow down and switch lanes. I mean, literally the only way I can describe this is 
it felt like somebody was stepping on my chest, pushing me back into the seat. And uh, I just loved it. And uh, I wish I could get one. Uh, you know, it would be a bad investment on my part to uh, sell my six-month-old Model 3 and, and jump into a car that's another, I think it's like $19,000 more U.S. Uh, but for anyone who hasn't ordered one yet or anyone who's on the fence, I mean, by all means, take a test drive. There's no one in the Tesla store, if there's one in your area, that isn't going to want to jump in the car with you for 30 minutes and drive the thing around. It's it's a blast. Jump in it, and uh, I assume you'll be sold on it. Um, I'm sure the dual motor is going to feel plenty powerful as well. It picks up another second, 0 to 60, over uh, over the rear-wheel drive car. But, I, I mean, I just can't say enough good things. And the car was white on white, just like Trez Model X. Those white seats, there's something about them. They're definitely softer than the black seats. Uh, I mean, they just feel like butter. I See, told you, I told you. <laughs> <laughs> the I seats bet- are amazing. The, the white trim piece, uh, I was worried that maybe that would pick up the sun and reflect. I had an issue with the carbon fiber vinyl I tried. No issues. It's, yeah. it's kind of got a matte finish enough that there's no sun. I mean, I just... It's the perfect car. I don't know what else to say. Other than what Will Smith said in Independence Day, I got to get me one of these. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, Ryan was also telling me that the finish on the door, like the inserts on the door, are the same material as the seats. Uh, it's not yes. Alcantara, of yeah. course, so we know that. Yep, wow, that's like the seats. Yeah. Um, I did watch your video, and I have a question for you. The big question, of course. Uh, um, what did your wife think of it? Because I saw her driving the car. What, what was her opinion? So she's typically a, a slower driver, and uh, I, I forced her. We, we got on the highway, and I said, you just got to step on it. And uh, she got the Tesla grin. So we're, <laughs> we're back on track for possibly a dual motor white on white for her. We'll see. Uh, but she, she loved it. Maybe there's a chance that the white seats are a novelty. I promised her that they weren't. Mm-hmm. Um, but just getting inside it and seeing it, they're, they're absolutely not. That's awesome. As obviously you already know. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, yeah, the, the, the seats are not a big deal. I mean, yeah, people make too much noise about the seats. and uh, Well, that's good to hear. Um, uh, Ian, do you have any questions? Um, at, you know, for Michael, since he got a chance to drive this thing. No, I'm just going to continue to watch the uh, the Tesla Tunity YouTube over and over again, and, and drool and, <laughs> and despair. And it's pretty much where I'm at with it. No, it was it was awesome to watch. Like we were saying just before we we started recording, I uh, I particularly loved the back seat shot where where Michael's wife is trying to hold the camera steady and it just keeps <laughs> shooting up towards the glass roof. You know. Uh, I think that kind of tells the story because as you yourself, I think at one point mentioned in the video, it's really hard to convey like delta of speed. Like the, the, the fact the car goes from 40 to 70 miles an hour in like under two seconds, it, it just happens instantaneously. And you can't really relate that. But when you see what happens to the bodies, like when your head keeps going bang into the headrest and the camera keeps going up, you know, that's when you realize, Oh, 
yeah, there's something else going on here. We're sort of bending physics slightly. I have a question. Um, Michael, did you happen to notice if there was any motor whine coming out of the front of the car that sounded different from yours? I honestly have to say, I don't think you could hear anything over the giggling and okay. just general silliness <laughs> of noise. Stupid question. We made everything we stepped on, on the pedal. I don't know. I, I didn't listen closely enough to that. I, I will say the car was so shockingly powerful for me. I, you know, anyone who's used to power like that, maybe this doesn't happen to you, but I certainly don't drive a car that's that fast. Um, I can't even tell when I watch back my video at what point I lifted my foot and started easing off the throttle because I was just, wow, it was so fast so quickly. Um, yeah, I, I, here's one big takeaway I have from it. The car's got the 20-inch wheels that I drove, um, obviously the lowered suspension. It felt more comfortable on city roads than my car with the 19s and the the standard model three suspension. So yeah, you, you mentioned that and that's, that's really impressive. Um, to, to have the mix of a track that. monster and a car that's really comfortable around town on 20 inch wheels with low profile tires. And, and seriously, I can't say enough. Like my wife said, you know, you have to say something negative about it, the video. You can't just be uh, all positives all the time. I said, I can't think of anything. It's, uh, I think it's the perfect car. Other than the price. <laughs> Even though, I mean, the price, it comes in basically loaded right at the base price of a Model S. Mm -hmm. Yeah, That's, that's incredible. That's, that's an incredible tough sell for a lot of people. I think, you know, there's, there's a lot of people out there looking at a base, um, you know, base Model S and looking at a performance Model 3 and just trying to make that decision. And I think, you know, you're going to get a certain amount of people that are going to look at the car and go, well, I'll forgo the cargo and I'll just get the performance Model 3 and live with the smaller size. And then you got some other people who says cargo is more important. So, yeah, um, yeah it'll be interesting. Well, I'm glad to hear that uh, it went well. Uh, the rest of the world, of course, we're waiting for our opportunity to test drive one of these things. And some of us have to take delivery. Yes. So. And, uh. I'll add one more piece. I don't know if this is unique or if it's a new thing or if it's coming soon. After the drive, um, I was asked if I wanted to have it for a night. Oh, I, of really? course, said yes. So uh, they do overnight with the Model 3 performance car. Uh, I guess it doesn't take it away from the from test drives or from the showroom area because it's basically when the store closes to when the store opens the next morning. Okay. So it's really no big deal. Uh, but yeah, I'll have it overnight next weekend. Oh, excellent. Well, please uh, give us a follow-up on that because it would be very interesting to see um, you know, if anything changes about your opinion and so on and so forth about the car. So, yeah. I'll so is probably, that when you're going you're gonna to probably skip down? We're going to go for a ride a night or two? We can make something like that happen. Yeah, you, you guys may need to make that happen. <laughs> that's, that's definitely an all-nighter night. <laughs> Where were you guys at? Nowhere. Just, just driving around the neighborhood. 800 miles on the car in one night. That's right. <laughs> what, be one like last, that. Sorry, one last question, on, uh, Michael, is um, what's the regen feel like to you compared to the uh, the rear-wheel drive? Uh, there's been a lot of debate about that, and I know I've, I've read a lot of impressions, but what was your take on it as somebody who's got a lot of seat time in the LR? 
so immediately I noticed even just going through the parking lot, getting out to the main roads, it's definitely stronger. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, you know, I've seen some, I don't want to call it complaints, but people who wish their regen was stronger on my car. I, I guess I've gotten so used to it now. I barely ever step on the brake pedal. I've got it timed pretty well to know when to start easing off the throttle and slowing down. But, but the performance car definitely had stronger regen. Obviously, I didn't drive a regular dual motor, so I don't know if if those are also much stronger. Just having the uh, additional motor, but definitely stronger. The yeah, the theory behind it, if I've got all the numbers right, is when when both cars are in their standard mode, I don't think there would be any significant difference. What's different about the P3D is when you put it in track mode the maximum deceleration from regen goes from 0.2 to 0.3 Gs. So I think if you, you hit it track mode, I think you'd really feel it regening hard, but a, a regular duel and a performance should regen about the same otherwise, if, if I got it right. That makes sense. I also looked through every single page in the menu and I could not find track mode. I don't know if that's disabled on a test drive car. Uh, Good for you for checking. No, that's the first thing I would have asked. Where's the button? Where's the button? <laughs> well, glad to hear that. Well, uh, let's move on. Uh, the next uh, little talking point tonight is uh, Model 3 production, according to the uh, Bloomberg uh, VIN tracker, is going to be crossing 100K very soon. Um, they're putting at uh, production at approximately 60, just over 68,000 cars. Uh, Model 3 VINs, which is a Twitter account, um, tweets um, uh, NHTSA registrations once in a while. They just put out a tweet today saying they registered uh, 667 new Model 3 VINs. Uh, Approximately 4% of them are estimated to be dual motor. The highest VIN is 99,145. So there's always a discrepancy between... Cars produced, the VIN numbers, there's always some discrepancies and so on and so forth. But it's showing that uh, it looks like Tesla has really significantly hit this uh, this 5,000 mark. And they're on track for 6,000 sometime later this month. And there was another article, I think, that was put out by, uh, by an analyst who visited the Tesla factory recently and said that they are definitely uh, seem to be on track to hit uh, somewhere around the vicinity of 8,000 cars with very little uh, more capital expenditure. Um, any thoughts on this? I mean, it's looking really good. I, no, I, I, There's I never think any exactly. silence from Eric. Come on, buddy. <laughs> oh, it's, it's, it's been a long day. So I, I think, you know, what's interesting about the numbers is more so that, like you said, first we'll discuss the variance for a second, but um, when you're looking at how quickly production's ramped up, I mean, Elon said a long time ago about the S-curve and explaining that the timing of the S-curve is really going to be the major turning point in terms of how the production would increase. And we're actually now seeing that curve exponentially rocket up very quickly. And now when you're adding in the performance vehicle you're adding in the dual motor production and in their own right they're also going to begin to increase collectively we're seeing a great great amount of cars being produced rather quickly i mean in that same bloomberg article um they indicate that they're estimating about 5300 cars are being produced per week just model three alone so 
it should be hopefully uh, not long before we're seeing numbers approach, if not exceed 6,000 per week, um, maybe even by year's end uh, for the vehicle. And that's without even the standard range battery even produced yet. So um, I, I think it's a testament to just how hard the teams are working at the, the factory uh, between the battery side in Nevada and the Fremont factory with production lines. And it's it's starting to show. And I think a lot of people who are still waiting to pull the trigger on one of their cars are going to be able to get there sooner than they think. Is there any opinions between you guys as thinking that if the production keeps going with this ramp, that we may see the base battery arrive a little bit sooner than uh, maybe they've been estimating? Because they're still showing you know early 2019 for that. My hopes is that, uh, you know, if this continues, that we may see uh, standard battery a little bit sooner. I mean, deliveries, according to the website for the online configurator, suggest that the vehicles will begin deliveries in five to eight months. So if deliveries, let's say it is on the lower end of that figure, if it's closer to five months, then orders would actually start sometime later this year. Mm -hmm. Um so again, that's that's certainly uh, speculation at this point. But um, you know, we we've seen Tesla sort of project out long and then produce earlier. So it's better to um, overestimate than underdeliver. I think it still shows that Tesla has a very solid order book for what they're currently making right now. The I mean, if they showed any kind of sag in the orders, they would certainly consider moving um at that point but it looks like um i mean there's no shortage of people wanting these cars as soon as possible um profitability of course is important and uh will be interesting to see what happens when the uh, third quarter numbers finally roll in a, in a few months time but uh i'm still seeing lots of model threes around here and they're still being delivered so it's all uh, it's all good promising information on that point well let's uh move on some really good news just came out of course um model three is starting to make its appearance uh down under so those of you who are in uh, australia and new zealand might have received an invitation from tesla um, they're uh, going to be displaying a left-hand drive version of the Model 3. No right-hand drive cars yet. Um, they will be on display at the Martin Place Tesla store in Sydney CBD. Another one will be Melbourne's Chadstone store and uh, Brisbane's main store in uh, Fortitude Valley. This uh, comes from an article in Electric. Uh, they did show, I think it was last month, they brought a Model 3 uh, to Europe and they started doing a little bit of a tour there so people had a chance to uh, see that car firsthand. So for those of you who have a reservation in Australia that live close by in those areas, please check your account, um, make an appointment. Um, I believe one of them, and I don't have it in front of me, but it looks like it may happen as soon as this weekend or around the 25th. So you'll be able to go down and, and check that out. Expect long lines. Uh, much like when they started putting them in Florida um, back earlier this year, uh, there were lines outside the store and uh, expect them to probably do what they did then, which was about a two-minute time inside the car 
So in and out, in and out type of thing. So um, that's always good news. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people of Australia have, have been waiting a long, long time to see this car. Um, next one. I don't know how much we want to get into this, but um, Tesla has uh, since, or Elon has since published another article on Tesla's website uh, called Te uh, Taking Tesla Private. And he basically delineates a little bit more of his thoughts on on what the um, uh, changes were. So I'm just going to read a couple of little bits here um, from the article that he posted. And basically, you can follow this on uh, Tesla's website. So if you go to tesla.com forward slash blog, you'll be able to read this. So uh, what Elon basically writes here is, on August 2nd, I notified the Tesla board that in my personal capacity, I want to take Tesla private at $420 per share. This was a 20% premium over the approximately 350 then current share price, which already reflected a 16% increase in the price uh, since prior, uh, just prior to announcing uh, Q2 earnings on August 1st. My proposal was based on using a structure where any existing shareholder to wish to remain um, as a share uh, shareholder, pardon me, in a private Tesla uh, could do so with the $420 per share buyout used uh, only for shareholders that preferred that option. After an initial meeting with the board's outside directors to discuss my proposal, I did not participate, nor did his brother Kimball. Uh, a full bold, uh, board meeting was held. During that meeting, I told the board about the funding discussions that had taken place, more in that below, and I explained why this could be in Tesla's long-term best interest. At the end of that meeting, it was agreed to that as a next step, I would reach out to some of Tesla's largest shareholders. Our largest investors have been extremely supportive of Tesla over the years and understanding whether uh, they had the ability to desire to remain the shareholders in a private Tesla is of critical importance to me. They are the ones who believed in Tesla when no one else did, and they are the ones most believe, excuse me, in our future. I told the board uh, that I would report back after, um, after I had all these discussions. So anyways, I, I won't read too much more of that, but I want to discuss this situation here because, uh, of course, some information has come to light since then that um, part of the potential funders, including Elon himself, um, is the uh, Saudi Sovereign Fund, uh, which have been looking to diversify their uh, their holdings, uh, other than just oil, of course. They've been looking at diversifying and stuff. So I find it interesting. Uh, one thing that I have noticed with the Saudis um, on a technology front, is they're very supportive of, of new technologies. Teslas are extremely popular over there. Um, there is a great YouTube channel called uh, Fully Charged. And if you look at uh, Robert Llewellyn's uh, past history a little bit, he did go to Dubai and uh, did a great video on everything that's going on over there. And uh, Tesla's growing like gangbusters of it. They love technology. So... Uh, aside from the fact that about the Saudi situation, that uh, there's been a lot of discussion, of course, on Twitter about the whole situation. And I tried to get um, another uh, YouTuber or uh, another podcast member uh, to come on the show. And he just wasn't prepared to do it quite yet. Uh, we may get him in the future, who's an expert on uh, all things financial and stuff. So um, if I get that nailed down, I'll announce it a little bit later. But uh, it's interesting to see, uh, 
you know, this direction that they're going. And we didn't really talk about it all that much on the last uh, podcast, but maybe we can dive into it maybe a little bit more tonight. So um, I'd like for you guys to jump in here and give me your your two cents on uh, on this whole situation, if you could. I'll, I'll kick things off here. So first, I think the, and this is sort of a bit of humor, I think the 420 price is pretty funny. <laughs> um, that that being said, you know, there's been a lot of what I consider hubbleaboo about what Tesla is doing here between the, the stock prices and everything else. To me, and we talked about this a little bit in the last show, which is anything that's going to sort of help get the shorts folks um, out of the conversation piece, out of the limelight, is a good thing. Because it will at least allow the company to focus on its mission to bring sustainability uh, to the world. So that's the first part. Uh, the second thing is, ideally, it's not going to greatly change how Tesla operates. Um, you know, when, when a company goes public, when they have their initial public offering, it's ideally to raise funds, to get money. Um, and then so at some point, once you've had the capital, you can either stay public or you can choose to go back to being private. This is not unheard of. Other companies have done it. Um, but it, I, I think for people who look at this and go, well, it's, you know, it's just more ammunition for the news. It's, it's this, that, and the other. Like, it's all just complete nonsense. So, I, you know, when, with Elon putting that blog out earlier this week um, to sort of, I think it was on Monday, you know, to sort of explain to folks both his mindset at the time that he tweeted it and to sort of help those who were kind of unsure what's going to happen next, that at least allows people to have, oh, okay, now I understand. It's it's it's, it's really out there and it's very clearly worded. Um, and like you said, you know, Trev, go, if you want to read it, go on to the site and read it. Um, it's, it's really a good explanation about what's actually happening. And I think it's just going to... You know, to me, the, the, the stockholders are going to say, okay, sure. I mean, there are going to be some that are going to say, nah, I'm not all for it. That's fine. You can <laughs> you can sell your shares. I'm sure someone's going to want to buy it from you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I, you know, I, I'm supportive of anything Tesla wants to do. I just hope they don't do it necessarily out of spite. And when I say spite, I'm talking about all the shorting that's going on. Yes, it's annoying. It detracts from the situation. Uh, we've had this conversation, of course, before. The employees just want to go to work, do their best job, and not have to be distracted by all this stuff. Um, you know, I don't, in some ways, I believe that, that Elon does have a little bit of a vindictive stream in him. But aside from that, his number one concern from what I've always seen over the years of watching what he does is that he always he cares about what he's doing. He cares about the companies first. I mean, who else would put all of his fortune into a dying company back in 2008? Um, you know, uh, he was he was he was he was uh, um, he was borrowing money from friends and family to. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, to support himself while, uh, you know, he's pouring all of his money into the company. So 
the fact that he puts more his money where his mouth is leads me to believe he's trying to do the right thing here. Now, of course, there's a lot of discussion as to whether the Saudis would be a good fit for Tesla in terms of ownership, how much influence would they have? Who knows? This is all stuff that has to be worked out. Of course, the shorts on the internet are making a big deal about the fact that Tesla, or Elon, I should say, uh, announced this um, uh, publicly on the internet. Um, you know, Steve Jobs famously backdated uh, stock his stock options, and he didn't get mm -hmm. any prison time. And here's an, here's a CEO of a company announcing his intentions publicly, and you know they're making a big deal about this. So I don't know. I think there's some cherry picking going on as far as you know what makes news and what doesn't. But um, I'm I'm supportive uh, as long as it keeps the mission going, keeps the company going, keeps the products company uh, coming. And uh, if it means that I have to sell shares or transfer them, hey, be it as it will. Um, Ian, um, I'm sure it's not uh, affecting you too much at this point. I mean, I know that some of your down payments in Tesla stock um, hopefully won't divest uh, yourself completely. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm I'm riding it out for the moment. I mean, you know, it uh, it's still up from where it was uh, even uh, give or take a month ago or so or something of like course, that. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's fine. And I mean, I, I not only do I have down payment money, I have a fair chunk of my RRSP in there. I have for for years. So uh, yeah, I watch it closely. Um, but as I said on on last week's show, and I don't really think I can add too much to it. I I strongly believe this is the right move. I mean, we do know that Elon is a little bit prone to be vindictive, as you say, or. or maybe a little bit emotional but when it comes to i think that's more about how he tweets things or how he you know paints things and even then i don't i rarely see them unjustified but uh, you know at, at the core when it comes to really high level super important uh, operational decisions the man is purely driven by logic like mm -hmm. from every standpoint i mean you know he always talks about first principles right you know take it down to the the atom what matters and to him i think this is a very functional thing like he re he feels like they've reached a threshold where this is untenable from um, the negative publicity the effect that it has the morale on the team on everybody else it's just a freak show for no good reason and um this is a way out of it that wouldn't compromise you know the company's financial ability to operate from from certainly i guess from the internal analysis they did so if that's the way it has to be it has to be i'd still love to be involved i trust they're going to figure out a way for a little retail investor like me to stay involved if they don't i'd i'd much much rather that the company um, continue the mission and do it in the best way possible. The other thing I just want to add is Elon did at one point tweet um, something that explained his position as to why he made this public in the way that he did. And I thought it was kind of interesting. He felt that in a lot of cases when these matters are being considered, when their companies are talking about going private, they more or less get, you know, the top investors in the room type of thing to discuss it first and he wanted everybody on board right away all as one you know from the little guys right up to the top so take that for what it's worth but 
that was his position on it. I, I think it sort of makes sense. And going back to like, he really values the small investors who were there from the beginning and he didn't want this to be a closed door affair. He wanted everybody on board at once. Yeah. I'll put a link to, uh, in the video if, uh, if those of you really want to read it. Um, yeah, you know, the one thing I like about Elon is that when he writes, he's very concise and he puts things down in, in good words. I mean, he's a way better writer than I could ever imagine to be. So, uh, yeah, I encourage you to take a look at this article. and I'll, I'll put a link here in the video description and uh, the blog post and stuff. So uh, I'll put it in the, um, for those of you listening on the podcast, I'll put it in the show notes as well so you guys can take a look at that. Well, it's uh, it, it'll be interesting, and I think the other thing too that uh, Tesla did put out is that the, um, they said that they've already started an advisory board on this to start talking about this and, and investigate it. So uh, it looks like they're moving forward. Um, it would not surprise me that they get the majority of shareholder votes on this thing. Um, so uh, when that will happen, who knows? But uh, I think. I have a pretty good feeling that much like the, um, well, oh yeah, the Solar City acquisition, that it will be almost unanimous on this on this thing. So, it's a developing yeah. story, and as it uh, as it continues, we'll uh, we'll keep an eye on it. All right, a little bit of a fluff piece tonight. Um, who has seen the tweet from Tesla about the performance Model Three? Testing in Alaska. Here's the video. Uh, there's no there's no audio, but you guys can watch this little thing. Now, of course, it is not snowing in Alaska right now, so this was certainly um, not filmed this week. So much fluffy white snow. <laughs> it's beautiful, man. Yeah. So Lord. this was certainly not filmed this week. Um, most likely back in the winter time. Now, those of you who are probably saying, "Whoa, didn't they just show the performance Model Three being produced? And how can they get it in Alaska?" It's not. No, no, no. This that was a production car. This is most likely a uh, a prototype or a release candidate zooming around. So lots of fun. That's our fluff piece for tonight. <laughs> Um, just keep it going, Trev. Nobody wants to see us. They just want to see that. <laughs> All right, I'll let it go for, for a little bit. I mean, <laughs> nah, it's a pretty short little clip, but uh, yeah, you can find yeah. it on uh, on um, on Tesla's Twitter feed there to to watch that. So it's it felt like that's what I was doing in the car. I, I don't know. It might not have looked. <laughs> well, no, if I, there's if there's white stuff down in South Florida, it's definitely not snow. <laughs> yeah, that would be a much more expensive demonstration down your way. Correct. <laughs> You're absolutely right. I, I will. I I will jump in with this one. This is something that really, really made me happy, though, because my one beef, and I've been quite honest about this from day one with Tesla, is up until now, there's never been a vehicle they've built where you could completely deactivate or at least seriously open up the electronic stability control to do such shenanigans. And that's one thing that really bothered me because one of my all time favorite things to do with cars is to go out winter rallying. I do what's called navigation or TSD in the US rallies here quite frequently in the winter time. 
And I mean, I've been driving Audi Quattros for more than 20 years, and that's the whole reason to have that car as far as I'm concerned. Everything else is secondary. Yeah, it gets me to work. That's nice. I could ride a bicycle. No, 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 no. It's toboggan time. This is what I want to do with it. And I was pretty convinced initially that, no, they'd follow the pattern. You know, you'll be able to drift it a little. We've seen cars, Model S's can can do this. You know, if you start the slip start, you can you can sort of get it a little sideways, but nothing like what we've seen here with the track mode engaged. So this warms my heart, I must tell you. <laughs> well, I'm definitely going to have to come down to Montreal in the wintertime when we can go down to a track or have some fun in the snow because if there's anybody I trust. We're going to take it out of the lake, man. we got some ice racing tracks out here. We're going to go full gonzo sideways. All right, let's make it happen. Uh, Winterlude, uh, you know, in Ottawa, maybe if we have to. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. But, uh, yeah, looking forward to that. That'll be lots of fun. Okay, uh, next little one here. A neat uh, article that uh, Fred Electric put out. The urban supercharging stations have been expanded in, in New York City. Uh, these are the urban ones, the um, the little uh, the black and white ones here. I'll put, I'll put a picture up. You guys can take a look at it. There it is. Pretty neat little shot. Interesting they've actually mounted these on the pillars instead of being on the floor. Now, I don't know if all the locations are like this. Anyway, so Tesla put out um, this little note here. We just expanded our supercharger network across New York City, making Tesla ownership more convenient for those without direct access to charging at home or work. So the new supercharger locations are in the following neighborhoods, Lower East Side, Chinatown, Midtown East, uh, Upper West Side, Williamsburg, and Jamaica. Here's the map of uh, where those pins are. So those of you mm -hmm. looking to charge in the New York City area, uh, it's looking really promising. Of course, then there's an updated map, and I'll put it up here. This is all the destination chargers. So it's like, it's crazy. Um, we know for a fact that Tesla is putting a lot of time and effort into expanding the uh, supercharger and destination program. So it's looking really promising. Um, uh, just an anecdote, uh, we just got back from our vacation in uh, Vermont, and uh, it was amazing to see how many destination chargers were everywhere out there. So it was um, very encouraging. Uh, have absolutely no problems finding charging stations. So, And for those of you who might be listening who have businesses, let me tell you, uh, and we know this for a fact. If your business has a destination charger and we're going to be there for any uh, amount of time, uh, we will pick the business with the charger as yes. opposed to the guy across the street who doesn't. We know this for a fact. So, uh, you know. And, and that's something I've been talking to um, to one of our city councilors here uh, who's running for mayor. And I had this discussion with him. And uh, I may even go into... Uh, uh, to city council and talk to them about the situation that if you build it they will come we know this this program works we know that people will frequent businesses uh, that have it I, I mean the way i put it is very much like wi-fi wi-fi is everywhere now when wi-fi first started being deployed into little restaurants and businesses uh, people would flock to those areas. It worked quite well. But now, I mean, you can't go anywhere without getting Wi-Fi anywhere. So I feel that um, destination charging level two uh, for EV owners is largely going to be the same metric. So, uh, and I and I and I'm with you 100 percent on that. I mean, we have a lot of people who 
you know, we've talked to in the forums and everywhere else are like, you know, charging in certain places is sometimes quite hard to find, especially li living in a remote area. And yeah, you can charge in a 110. You can certainly do that. Oh, that's if you brutal, want though. To. Which, I mean, it's it's brutal for some people, but if you're, you know, visiting family in, in, in you know, the upstate part of Georgia or, or Tennessee or something where it's just hard to find charging stations, that's one thing. But even with the level two charging stations that are out there, when you're in your car and you touch the map and find out where charging is, you're like, all right, we're going to go grab a bite to eat or go shopping or something else. You're going to gravitate towards places where you can go charge your car. It only stands to reason like while you're there, while you're killing time, just charge your car. And I think as more and more businesses do what you're suggesting, Trevor, like you're going to find that it's, not just about the the access, it's also about profitability. Yes. You're driving business to your location explicitly because you offer charging. I mean, there are no, I mean, all of us can attest when we go into hotels and stuff. We're looking at hotels that offer free breakfast or have a pool for the kids or a game room or there's something about the facility that we're looking at to make sure that it has it to say we're going to go stay there. Regardless of the cost or distance, we'd rather go stay there. To me, the uh, the EV network of charging options is no different. No, I agree with you 100%. I mean, we experienced it ourselves. I mean, we go to a restaurant. I'm going to go to a place that has a charger. Now, whether I use it or not doesn't matter. The fact is that they have it means that, you know, it's there if I need it, so. All right, uh, next little bit here I want to talk about. Uh, Rear-wheel drive Model 3 hits 142 miles per hour in top speed on the Bonifil solid flats. This article comes courtesy of uh, Tesla Roddy. I'm um, going to read the little blurb here. I'm going to put the little video up, and you can watch these guys uh, do this little test run. Um, uh, so the article basically says videos of Stryker's recent uh, runs in Bonifil Salt Flats shows his Model 3 seamlessly accelerating until it approached Tesla's rated 140 miles per hour top speed. One run filmed on August 6 featured the long-range Model 3 accelerating past its top speed, hitting 142 miles per hour before Stryker lifted his foot off the accelerator. In a statement at Teslarada, uh, Teslarati, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, Stryker stated that his Model 3 seemed like it was still capable of going past 142, uh, but he opted to stop there just to be safe. Uh, the Model 3 owner also noted that he uh, started uh, the max speed run with uh, 293 miles left in the battery. After, hundred, uh, after hitting 142 miles per hour, his car's range down was 279 miles. So, uh, yeah, not, not much usage on there. I mean, for daily driving, of course, you're not going to do this. But uh, here's the video. and just keep going. He's hitting about 102. Oh, no, he's decelerating now. Mm -hmm. a great shot, by the way, you know, with the, with the sun going down. It's beautiful. I was just looking at that. It's hypnotizing. <laughs> Lots of fun. So, it's yeah, really there's... cool. It's really cool to look at the map in the car, and all of a sudden you see the, the red triangle near the edge of the soft flats, <laughs> and all of a sudden there's nothing but huge amounts of white space around the uh, the triangle. I think you know the fact that Tesla is electronically limiting you know the speeds on these cars is 
it's a little disappointing. I, I wish in some ways we'd be able to lift that. Uh, of course, you know, until the Roadster comes out, we don't know exactly what these things are probably capable of. But it just goes to show um, that these cars have pretty good chops. And, uh, you know, there's some articles recently came out, of course, that the battery technology on the Model 3 is completely different. It doesn't suffer from overheating quite as bad as the S and the X2. So it just goes to show that this this car is going to have some real chops as far as uh, track mode is concerned and stuff. So. It also makes you wonder when Michael test drove the car the other day, and we know the car's slated to do 155. Could it break 160? Could it break 165? I mean, we don't really know. Ooh, we'll tell you next weekend. Yeah, I, I got a funny <laughs> feeling it would go beyond that. I... Uh, just my back of the envelope math. If you figure the car's got a drag coefficient of what 0.23, two four, it's in that range. Two two. I, I forget what the actual drag Your coefficient point, is. Point two two. I saw. I think. Yeah, point two two. I know their their target was point two one. I don't think they quite got that, but it's a super low number. This car has very little drag. And if you figure that the, the P3D is putting a 450 horsepower, now up to what RPM is the question. I have a funny feeling it would be RPM limited. It wouldn't be aero drag limited. So this car would probably top out wherever the, the motors go. I know uh, our friend uh, Sasha Ennis from Mountain Pass Performance is <laughs> waiting to get his diamond, hands. Yeah. yeah. We, we, we need to get some dyno numbers on this to see, you know, how far up the curve. I mean, I, everyone's sort of familiar with the concept that an electric motor makes, you know, peak torque from zero, but it doesn't do it infinitely. The torque curve actually starts to taper off as it reaches its highest RPM point. So it will, the power will eventually taper off. So depending on the gearing that they put in the car, I think that's going to limit the top speed. But, you know, in a perfect world, I could see no problem passing 170 miles an hour in a P3D. I'm, with the I'm going to try and ping uh, Sasha tomorrow and see uh, if he can give me any kind of uh, performance numbers at this point, and we'll see what he says. Um, interesting point. My wife, uh, uh, Beverly, I call her uh, Miss Daisy because <laughs> I do all the driving. <laughs> uh, she took the Model X yesterday uh, to a, a business function for the first time because, of course, our Volkswagen is in the shop. It's another story altogether. Um, anyway, and she said, uh, I had that thing up to 160 kilometers an hour. I just wanted to see what it could do again. I'm like, you're paying for the tickets, dear, not me. <laughs> yeah, that's expensive in Ontario. Oh, yeah. I said, don't be doing that too often. Okay, well, moving along here. Uh, the next little bit here, I don't know if it's, uh, you know, I think this is a case of making a mountain out of a mole here, but uh, we have a couple reports, courtesy of Electric here, of some Model 3s losing their bumpers in the rain, which I think is a bit of an erroneous um, way of putting a headline out there. But there have been a couple of reports, and I'll put a couple of pictures up here, courtesy of the article that came out of these Model 3s um, missing the rear uh, bumper. Now, when I say the bumper, I'm not talking about the crush, the, the crash structure. It's strictly yeah. the uh, ABS fascia that's missing off the back. Um, the skin. Yeah, this, yeah the, the rubber skin. So to me, it seems like maybe it was a case of maybe them not being clipped in properly or whatever. Um, I didn't really read the article in its entirety to see whether there was any scraping of the bumpers 
involved where they forced them to come off. But um, anyway, so of course the internet was all a buzz with that. Tesla needs to do a recall on this and get it fixed and stuff. I mean, two reports. I mean, how many cars they got out now? So yeah. I don't know. I also want to add for the record that both cars are located in Florida and New Jersey. Just random thought. And secondly, the Florida car is Midnight Silver Metallic. MSM represent. Just telling you right now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my. That's a bit much. All right. Uh, well, moving along, we got another one here. I mean, I just threw that little piece out there. Uh, price increases. Now, I, I, I want to give a little bit of a shout out because I know some of the people on the YouTube comments had mentioned that uh, there was a piece of information that we missed last week, and I'll apologize for that. We just had lots to cover. Um, of course, we have to talk about the price increases on the dual motor and the color options as of August 2nd on the Model 3. So we'll get you guys uh, to die, dive in a little bit, of course. Um mm-hmm. Model 3, when it was first announced, the all-wheel drive option was uh, originally $5,000, and they dropped it to 4 Now it's back up to 5 And, mm-hmm. of course, they put some price increases across the board on all the colors, of course, except for black. And my personal opinion about this is that uh, it's getting tougher and tougher um, for some people to um, maybe swallow the fact that we're looking at you know, getting that fabled $35,000 car. I mean, I mean, at the bottom, at the bottom of the hour, not very many people buy a base model of anything out there. Um, But these price increases on anything other than black makes me feel that those of you who are out there really waiting for that fabled $35,000 car, meaning I'm not spending any more uh, than a car, we're going to see a lot of black Model 3s on the streets, which is, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, it's hard to justify. I, I, know, I know that Tesla is increasing the prices because they can and because they're pushing the limits as far as they can, um, mm-hmm. as far as how much money they can extract out of a customer at the given time. But at the same token, it feels in a lot of ways that they, I feel like we're being a little bit nickel and dimed here on the colors. Because if you look at a competing car, I mean, I think the most expensive uh, metallic color options might be on Mercedes or BMW. And we're only talking $750 US. So I think it's a little bit of price gouging on on, on the colors, in my opinion. I don't think there's any justification from a cost manufacturing or um yeah from the cost of actually painting it that the prices have raised it's just it it just strikes me as profiteering yeah i I think price wise trev you're right they're they're on the high side of um way too high way too high yeah yeah as as far as a a typical surplus would be for a special color that's definitely on the high side i don't really have a problem with the dual motor pricing like i know a lot of people were it goes back to the original story that when um, people were asking Elon, well, is the dual motor three going to be, you know, the option less well, than an he said, S? He said less. He said less. Yeah. Okay. So then when it came out at the exact same price at 5,000 US, everybody's up in arms. Well, you said it was going to be less. Well, I, it's not. Okay. So 
they they were wrong on that. I mean, uh, they they did promise it would be less, but I mean, what if it had been a hundred bucks less? Would that have been legitimate at that point? I don't know. Mm. Um, I think when you look at what the car delivers, when you get the dual motor in terms of the extra traction, the extra performance, and all that, I I don't think that's bad. I I, I think it's one of those things where you can justify and say, well, yeah, adding a front motor to an S or to a three is probably not that big a difference at the cost level at the factory. So uh, maybe at some point in the future when they really start doing huge volumes, they'll they'll look at these numbers again and readjust them. But for now, I, I, I think they got to keep the margins up. I mean, that's at least to the end of this year, that's probably goal number one. So that's where we're at. Yeah, I, I would tend to agree with you. I mean, I don't have a problem with the price of all-wheel drive. Let's face it. I mean, you know, Tesla's pretty much a creature of habit when it comes to pricing options on their cars. But, um, I mean, they also did a price increase on the S and the X as, as far as the colors are concerned, too. So, I don't know. I just have a problem with the color pricing. I, I think it's out of whack. It, it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be that high. I mean... You know, the previous price, eh, you know, it was even pushing it, but, it, you know, it's a little bit easier to swallow. But I just, like I said, I just feel that once they get around to doing this $35,000 car, that a lot of people are going to go, geez, I, I really stretch my budget as it is right now, and I really don't want black. What are my options? Well, not only you have to pay extra for the color, but you got to take into account that you have some delivery fees you get to pay for. You can't get around that. Um, you know, there's a, a handful of fees and stuff. So I don't know. I just, uh, I, I just find it disappointing. Trev, I would say, you know, I don't know if we can make the correlation, but this is one of those things that points back to maybe why they'd be better off as a private company. Elon mentioned, you know, as a public company, they're sometimes forced to make poor short-term decisions when yeah. really the goal is, is the long term, this could be that. There, there's absolutely so much pressure on them to make profit that if the volumes are there and they can sell it and they can make the money, you can't fault them in a sense. Um, mm. I think they raised the delivery fee as well. I, if I'm not mistaken, I think went from a thousand to twelve hundred US. I, I could be wrong on that, so don't quote me if I'm wrong there. The, yeah, the, I'll look it up. The yeah. destination and document fee was a thousand dollars, whereas the Model S and Model X were twelve hundred, and then the Model Threes were recently uh, increased to match that of S and X. So it's it's a combined, so combined. twelve hundred. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So it it could be a little bit of that. I I mean. You also watch the S and the X over time. The prices go up and they go well, down they, and they go up and yeah. they go down. So I wouldn't say this is the final price. You know, for anyone who's waiting, it could go higher. It could go lower. New features could be standard down the road. This is just the way it goes. You know, once once the car is right for you and ready, you kind of got to jump in with both feet and stop looking at it. Well, in general, I have to remember the pricing trends of cars over the years has always been on the upward swing. It's never been like, okay, 2015 is this much, and then the 2016 comes down a couple thousand bucks. It generally doesn't work like that. I mean, you know, our fathers bought cars back in the 70s, and they cost $3,500. I mean, you can't buy a 
car for $3,500 anymore. Um, it, I, I just feel that Tesla seems to be, hmm. yeah, I think, I think in some ways, Michael, you have a point. I mean, if they weren't um, a public company, that they would be a little bit more relaxed as far as how they could spread those margins a little bit. Um, yes, there's a lot of pressure. I mean, it's undeniable. They have a lot of pressure right now to make money for the third and fourth quarter. I get that. I hope that it's not setting a precedent in such a way that we're only going to do this for the short term so we can show everybody and then take it away down the road. And then, of course, you upset a lot of customers along the way. Uh, I don't know. <sighs> I just don't like price increases in general on stuff like that. It's just, it's just disheartening. <laughs> it's just, I don't think anybody does, Trev. I, I don't think that's unusual. No, no. Okay, well, the last little bit I want to talk about tonight is uh, Model 3 Autopilot performs best uh, of five cars in the uh, IIHHS lane-keeping tests. Um, this is the um, article that comes from Forbes. And uh, so the IIHHS, which is the... Um, uh, that's the insurance board. That's not NHTSA. That's that's the, um, uh, the, the car guys there. This is the insurance board. <laughs> Sorry, sorry. You know acronyms. I can't stand acronyms. You know, remember back in the, the Insurance 90s? Institute for Highway, Highway Safety. Safety. Thank you very That's much. Right. I, the only acronym I really remember all that much was uh, in the nineties. Called remember the the slot on the laptops was called PCM uh, PCMCIA. People can't remember yes. computer industry acronyms. That's what I called it, anyways. SDSI. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyhow, uh, so they did a test um, across a set of 36 test runs on both hills and curves. The Model 3 drove outside of its lane only once, while the E-Class, of the Mercedes, drove outside of its lane 12 times. The Model S, 14 times. The S90, 18 times. Uh, that would be the Volvo. And mm -hmm. five and the 5 Series, uh, which is the BMW, performed the worst at 33 times. Uh, the, the difference in performance between the Tesla Model 3 and the Model S is particularly striking as the Model 3 performs significantly better than the Model S, even though both models come from the same manufacturer. Now, one thing I want to point out here is that nowhere in the article did they mention which um, MCU... Uh, no, I guess the MCU doesn't matter because Autopilot's Autopilot, right? So they're using the same computer system. So I don't know. I mean, what what could be causing this difference in in this like this disparity? I'd be curious to see what their testing regimen was like and what what the actual cars were. Hmm, that might be part of it. Might it be part of it is what kind of hardware uh, for autopilot was in the two vehicles they tested. Um, we know the Model Three is using the newest version of autopilot, which is two point five. And then you have the Model S, which could have had something older than that. But even then, it's it's also possible the, the weight of the cars and how it handles curves could be different. I mean, there's a lot of um, factors here. Right? And there's so many factors. Um, but we we do know that for a lot of people who've had a chance to test drive the Model 3 and maybe either own or test driven the Model S previously, we know the Model 3 is a more nimble car. And again, a lot of that is just because it's just lighter by over a thousand pounds. 
Yeah, I'd be curious to find out what exactly they did the test. I mean, your point about autopilot one i mean they didn't specify exactly which model s they used they could have used the mm -hmm. model pilot version one car we know the model sure. three don't you don't have a choice it is it yeah at least the 2.5 um technology mm -hmm. so yeah I don't i'll know. add um go ahead Michael. in related but unrelated news um with version 2018.28.x i've had two of them already <laughs> uh merging legitimately works with autopilot it's not an accidental you know the person moves out of the out of the lane at the right time and you, you make it the car absolutely merges you can watch it on the screen picking up the car as they slowly merge in safely i'll definitely do a video on it yes please because uh it's really impressive and it wasn't even listed in release notes and it just it's there and it, it merges well now. So I know not exactly related, but I thought if we're talking autopilot, that's that's good news to share. Any other um, comments you guys want to make on the autopilot before I, I add one more article to the <laughs> to well, tonight show? One, th one thing I do want to add is I, I, there's so here in Florida, part of I-95 that I commute on. Um, does have double white lines to separate the HOV lane. Mm -hmm. uh, for those of you that know what HOV is, the HOV lane separate from the traffic to uh, its right. And so oftentimes my autopilot has a, t a hard time differentiating where the left end of the lane is if I'm in that second lane. It doesn't know, is it the outer line that really borders the HOV lane or is it the other white line that's actually bordering the line that I'm in? And Florida is known for uh, eroding the asphalt rather quickly. The paint can tend to fade. So sure. that being said, we know autopilot needs to have clear painted marks to know. But even where there are two distinct white lines, sometimes it's, it's trying to have a hard time center the vehicle because it doesn't know which lane or what where the lane boundary is. Um, so I'm curious to know if other people have had that problem. I'm not sure if Michael, if you had it either, but, um, even Trev, if you, I'm not sure if in Canada, you've had that problem too with your model X, but, uh, it's, it's something that I think is interesting that the camera still has a hard time, uh, differentiating that. The only time I've noticed that I've had some issues with autopilot, um, has to do with, um, it getting me uh, I've, I've had a couple occasions where it got confused when i was in the right hand most lane and there was an exit coming up um prior to i think it was at least the last update the only other big one that i got was in march that it would gradually just take the exit now it knows it just seems to know okay this is an exit you're not intending on taking the exit um and it just it just you can feel it, uh, not even, like, before it would, like, it would hesitate, it would go into the lane, and then it would come back. Mm -hmm. Now it's just, like, doesn't even exist. I just keep going. And you made, it, you made a video about that. I think we did it before and after, before your I did. That was, back in, that was back in March. Um, but since yeah. then, I've had another update, and that was the one that really did the off-ramps really well. But even since then, I've noticed that it's, that it's improved, especially when it comes to exits and stuff. Now it's just like I, I did a test the other day. It's like, okay, what's this thing going to do? Because you could 
clearly see that lane was going this way and the other lanes were I, I really should have recorded it but it just went I know where you're going dude I'm not gonna yeah. I'm not gonna deviate so yeah it was it was quite I was very impressed with that I, I went wow I mean, I've never seen wow. that before. Wow! Yeah, I get you know, I gotta put that sound bite in there, right? I'll say one other last autopilot thing. I, I put it on Twitter. I didn't put it on YouTube. It was like fifteen seconds long, maybe twenty seconds. Uh-huh. But in an absolute low visibility downpour, the car was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I mean, you've, you've done several of those tweets I've seen. Yeah, I'm I'm looking and I think that the camera makes it seem better than it is. I can't tell where the lane lines are looking and the car is spot on. It's not it's not waving back and forth at all. It's literally dead straight. The auto wipers are great too at high high speed rain. Um, right. yeah. Lower speed yeah. they chatter still. Yeah, of course they so freak out. Those, those still have a little way to go, but I've, Amazing! I, I've had two instances. I've I've used my car in the pouring rain and uh, couldn't see, uh, but autopilot was just like it was just like it saw through the through the um, through the rain, no problem. The other instance, I was can, uh, I was coming home a few months ago, and it was um, a lot of fog, and uh, performed admirably in the fog. So I was very impressed with that. So they're doing something in there in the software. Now, for those of you guys who are listening to this podcast, notice the tone we're using. It's not anger. It's not resentment. It's not disappointment. It's just Aww. we're we're happy. We're we're loving the cars. <laughs> we're just saying, you know what? It's it's like when you have your significant other, you love them for their flaws and all. You know they're not perfect. But there, you love them more than anything else in the world. So, we we know that you know. And Trevor has been the advocate. He's been he's been our vocal leader for a long time. There is no perfect car. You could love your Volvo, BMW, Audi, Range Rover, Toyota. It doesn't matter. You love your car. That's wonderful. We love our cars too. We know there's ways that they can become better. Um, Elon and the company is great at listening to owners like us to say, listen, here are some recommendations. I mean, I remember there was a a photograph that uh, Michael tweeted earlier this week where he submitted a bug. I think it was this this week or last week, submitted a bug report through the, the voice command. And those are things that are just it's more like, hey, guys, we're seeing this. We're not sure if you do, but if you if you can Hey, my my camera looks like it's actually got in the movie Carrie. Can you can you please just fix this for me? And then within a matter of time, it's it's fixed. So it's again, we're we're not upset. We we love the cars. It's just like like I said, you hear us. We're just like, oh, I've noticed this. I I, I noticed this. Just like you wake up <laughs> in the morning going, oh, I have a zit in my forehead. But look at Michael this week. There's no zit on his forehead. He looks <laughs> fine. He looks- <laughs> Good. <laughs> okay. Nice. We nice. get it taken care of. It's fine. I lo- I love my car, <laughs> warts and all. Actually, as a parting thing, I just want to uh, put this out there. And I hate to put you on the spot here, Michael, but I know before we started the podcast tonight, we were talking about 
your service um, experience because I have never experienced uh, mobile service. Um, I just take mine down to the local service shop. But you were saying some interesting things because you've had uh, two instances. Of course, I, I'm, I'm curious to ask you about your trunk situation with your new seal. And, and of course, if you don't want to talk about um, because you're going to put something in a video, that's perfectly fine. But you're also mentioning something about the LED lights. So uh, just jump in here and just tell us a little bit about what you were saying earlier. Yeah, I think Eric said it really well. No car is going to be perfect. And, and certainly I've had a couple of issues here and there. But it's how you handle the issues that's almost more important than anything else. Um, my specific mobile service uh, ranger, and I don't want to say his name, I don't want to get him in trouble, but I've already expressed to him how much I appreciate him. He He's phenomenal. I, I noticed, I pulled into a parking spot this morning and noticed one of the, I call it an eyebrow or an eyelid, the, the parking light, the driver's side of light. my car. Out. The signature light. Yeah, there you that's go. what they're called. I like it. Yeah. Uh, I noticed it was out, um, saw a thread on the forum suggesting that this isn't uncommon, actually. Uh, they either burn out or potentially they shift. So the light's still on, but it's just not in the right spot anymore. Anyway, I texted him this morning. He said he'd order a headlight for me right away. He called me back at, I think it was like 7 o'clock at night, after, certainly after hours. And uh, he said, all right, headlight order is in, should be in soon. Um, and by the way, you've got two other items on the car that I can service for you remotely. They're much easier to do if you bring them in so I can get the car on the lift. And to take it a step further, he said, and by the way, I'll come to your office, pick up the car, bring it in, work on it, and bring it back to you. I mean, who else does that? It's just, it's phenomenal. So you take a little issue, my headlight's got a tiny issue, and service is going to come to me, pick up the car, take it in, or, you know, as in other cases, work on it in the parking lot of my office. I just can't say enough good things. The trunk seal, I can't share feedback yet because I haven't tested it yet. Okay. Shame on me. That's no, no, that's, that's fair. Car. Um, but I'm going to test it out to see if it keeps the water out, and I'll definitely do a video on that. Cool. We'll do that this weekend. Yeah, we're all we're looking forward to finding out about that because that was something that was discussed, of course, since you're, mm -hmm. um, you know, since you did the video and stuff. And I'm sure you're not the only one that's suffering from this. So. Or suffering may or may not be the right word because it doesn't happen all the time, but it is, um, you know, yeah. it is an issue, and uh, I hope that Tesla corrects it. Um, any parting thoughts before we sign off for tonight, guys? Anything else that you want to throw in? I'd I'd like to throw one on sure. just the last. It's almost a, a breaking news today kind of story, okay. Trev, and I'd like to get your input on it. Is um, the, uh, it sounds like Tesla Canada is going to go after the Ontario government for pushing them out of the last days of the rebate program. Yes. So let's leave that as a parting thought. Um, so John John Dixon, who is the president of the uh, Tesla Ontario uh, 
Tesla Owners Club, um, finally got confirmation, official confirmation that uh, Tesla Canada has filed suit with the Ontario government over the misleading or the uh, discriminatory action that the government took against Tesla when they shut down the cap-and-trade program, which, of course, funds the, uh, the EVA, uh, EHIP rebate program. Um, the wording specifically said that uh, dealers that had inventory could still submit paperwork and get rebates until September 10th. Um, uh, but they said that they had to have inventory on lots, and of course Tesla doesn't have that. And of course, there was also another uh, person in cabinet who also specifically said on Twitter or in a public forum um, and specifically singled out Tesla, saying, except for Tesla. So there is definitely some discriminatory action on there, so Tesla has taken it to task. Uh, we've known for some time that they were upset about this thing, and, and they rightly should be. And uh, they're seeking, um, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, uh, a quick action on this. They want it reviewed as soon as possible. Mm -hmm. uh, legislation, of course, right now is out for the, for the summer, so there's no chance of the getting the rebates reinstated at this point. What they're looking for, I'm probably sure at this point, is some kind of damages what they do with that and how they do any kind of restitution i have no idea but anyways we want to put it out there and it's a, a story that we will be following to see uh, what happens at this point so having well uh, thank you very much for <laughs> for putting that yes. out there and I, I, I and i want to make it clear i support my ontario brothers i'm wearing my ontario electric vehicle society shirt fight the power people fight the power <laughs> fight the man <laughs> fight the man fight the man all right. Well, having said that, I want to sign off, guys. Uh, Eric, let's start with you. Where can people find you on the internet? They want to chit-chat with you. Absolutely. You guys can find me on Twitter with the handle ECFIX. That's E-C-F-I-X. Great. Thank you very much. Ian, let's do you second tonight. We'll leave Michael as last just for mixing it up a little bit. Where can people find you? All right. Well, on Twitter at ianpavelko.com, uh, P-A-V-E-L-K-O is the last name, at the Tesla Model 3 Owners Club Forum. You can find me as the Mad Hungarian. And uh, you can also find me at uh, teespring.com if you're interested. I have a line of um, my Evolve line shirts, which I uh, sell to raise money for different e electric vehicle organizations. And uh, you just look at teespring.com, Matt Hungarian or Evolve Wear, you will find the line of shirts. And as usual, we will put a link in the show description and the video description so you can check out his website. And last but not least, Michael, where can people find you, of course, on the Internet and YouTube? Cool. Ian just reminded me, I want to make sure everyone knows, I do wash the uh, shirt that I got from Ian before each video. <laughs> I think I wear it in every video now. That that's, um, doesn't matter as long as you wear it, Michael. That's what matters. There you go. Uh, no, uh, seriously, though. Uh, you can find me on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Teslatunity. And, of course, on the Model 3 Owners Club as uh, Sofla Model 3. Well, we want to thank everybody for your contributions as usual. And uh, we'll sign off with that. My name is Trevor Page. You can find me on Twitter. The handle's at Model 3 Owners. 
Don't forget to check out our forum at model3ownersclub.com. If you want to share, like, and subscribe to our YouTube channel, we really appreciate it. It gets uh, some nice features in there. And last but not least, I want to say thank you to all of our Patreon supporters. They are the people that make this show possible. So if you feel like contributing and you'd like to support the channel, I encourage you to check out our Patreon page. You can find that at patreon.com slash model3ownersclub. Well, that's it for tonight, folks, and we will catch you on the next one. Thanks for watching and listening, and we'll see you later.